This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, Dave here. Just letting you know that our book Highs, Lows and Decanios is now available at a knockdown price of just 10 quid. Myself, X and Sid Lambert relive the rollercoaster ride of being a West Ham fan in the 90s. Whether it's Bonds or Boogers, Radichoyu or Redknapp, Stuart Slater or the one and only Samasia Boo, it's all in there. Plus we've got four words from Hammers Heroes, Julian Dix and Tony Cotty. So if you want to give yourself or a West Ham fan you know the gift of nostalgia, go to thewesthamway.com forward slash shop and get your copy of Highs, Lows and Decanios for just 10 quid today. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWH employee. With the absence of a game to reflect on, this week we're doubling up on questions from patrons as well as hearing about a crucial breakthrough in the case of the Wildstone Raider. All of that either side of the latest news from X. In the absence of a game to reflect on, we are going double bubble on questions from patrons this week. But before we do, we have some breaking news on the case of the Wildstone Raider. X, tell us more. Oh, you like So, interestingly, I tried to get in contact with him. Now, I can't actually read you the exact message because I've blocked him because it was on my it was on my personal account. Um, so I didn't want him to a uh, backlash from him. So I can't you read the exact I'll message. But in the in the week, I sent a message to him and I, d- I deliberately tried to write it in a sort of certain style. So I wrote it that I, again, reinforcing that my solicitors will be in contact. So. I said something along the lines of over 30 quid exactly as if I'd ever do all of this for 30 pounds <laughs> but I thought I've got to try something anyway and, and partly for the show's benefit as well I wanted to I have an interesting update but when so you I think said, about it though it would cost you 10 times what he owes exactly. just the initial <laughs> conversation with the <laughs> exactly this is why if he's got any sense he would know I'm bullshitting but anyway so, I wrote, so I wrote this long message 
message and it said that it was I wrote it so formally I took a bit of time so it said something like dear the Wildstone Raider and I, I know what his real name <laughs> is but I thought it sounded funny writing the, the full name like that so I said I, I, I regrettably uh, I am regrettably writing to inform you that um, due to no video being delivered and a refusal to pay back the money I am now um, initiating legal proceedings against you and, um, and I just and I just added another paragraph or whatever about how you know how it's morally wrong and you've ruined your birthday and stuff and things like that and anyway so I left it sent it shot read no reply and I thought god he's not even answering to this so <laughs> then it's, it's like what do I do and then people start sending me pictures of him in um, Thailand oh, in front of him with like a whole tray of shots in front of him <laughs> it's like literally rubbing it in my face and that was probably you know my 30 pounds and a, and a load of other people's 30 pounds spent while he's having a time of his life in, in Thailand um, so, and, so it was just like it was just couldn't be it was actually really funny I actually found it hilarious when that bit someone sent me that picture of him with the shots because it literally couldn't be like more mugging me off to my face if he tried um, anyway so I thought right that's it I'm going to have to give up now like there's not much more I can do with this and then then a real twist and a shout out to the journalist one of the, a journalist on the Daily Star is a patron and I do know him I knew him previous to, to this incident and he got in contact with me and he said he's been listening to the Wheelstone Raider story and he finds it like you know funny but also interesting as to to wonder how many people he's doing this to so he said so I've done my research I've got onto his Facebook page and I spoke to a few people like elsewhere and it turns out there's a load of us that have been conned by the Wheelstone Raider <laughs> So, so, so he he like put all he spoke to a few people, including myself, and said, "Do you mind if we use like if I use your case as a as a you know an example in the story that I do?" And I was like, "No, just as long as you don't name me, then I'm happy to be anonymous and stuff." And he had about three or four others that were happy to be anonymous and. And so I felt a bit like a snitch, but then I thought, well, I'm not snitching because I've said it to his face like however many times he's not paying me back and stuff. And I didn't approach the journalist. The journalist approached me. His name's Jack Staplehurst. He's actually a good lad. And he was like, I'm going to run a story. And then, and I was like, okay, mate. I said, like I said, don't include my name. I'm going to, but he was like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And he was like, when it's out, I'll let you know. Literally about half an hour after he contacted me, it popped up on my phone. Wilson Raider, thirty pounds into my account. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he obviously got to, got wind of this story coming out, shit himself, and went well, yeah, through and paid everyone back. And then that part of me, part part of me, I'm not going to lie, was slightly disappointed because I thought I've kind of got a conclusion now. <laughs> so. It came through thirty pound in my account, and, a, and I messaged the uh, Jack, and I said to him, "Mate, he's just paid me back." And he was like, I, "He was like, it's okay." He said that he's going to do that, and he was obviously the only reason he did pay back was because of he knew there was a newspaper article coming out about him, so he shit himself and paid everyone. Well, I don't know if he paid everyone back, but he certainly paid me back. So if you read the article, I think it says at least one person has admitted that they've got a refund. That one person is me because I told him and. Uh, 
and um, yeah, and then uh, and then apparently the Wilson Raider sent him a text message, and I'm not sure if I can read it out for I don't know if it's, it breaks any rules. I don't want to put Jack in trouble, but the Wilson Raider then sent a threatening message to, to Jack, almost saying exactly what I said about seeing him in court and stuff. It's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like cut and pasted what I said, added his own slant to it, and sent it to Jack about how he'll see him in court. This is not acceptable. And he's got, and he's got hundreds of um, perfectly uh, happy customers and stuff. So, so yeah, so, so that's it. And then you can see the story on um, on our on our Twitter because I think we've both retweeted it and stuff. So, uh, yeah, the, that is it. The, the, the case is over. I have been refunded by the Wilson Raider. Obviously, I have not given you a birthday present now because of all of this shenanigans. And uh, it's funny because I saw a few other videos of shout outs now had I known I was going to get conned by the Wilson Raider they would have probably been quite funny to do as well but I have to save it for your half birthday maybe which we all know is the most important one so maybe I'll the 24th of June I'll get it sorted for then do you know what mate I have to say that the story of this video is worth more to me than the actual video itself, in all yeah. seriousness. You couldn't have yeah. picked a better birthday present in terms of how it panned out. I mean, it's incredible, but oh, wow. To to actually have defeated the Wildstone Raider, mate, is unbelievable. Yeah. It, is a, it is purely a case of, you want 30 quid? I'll give it you. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations. He, want, he, was, he wanted, um, he wanted some, and I definitely gave it to him. And, uh, <laughs> and I, it proves I've got more fans than he has as well, because uh, oh, the people mate. got on my side. And uh, yeah, whilst he was laughing in my face from Thailand. Look who had the last laugh. So, uh, Do you know I what defeat- I don't understand, right? I, I, obviously, I've never met the geezer in my life. But, you know, if you, typically when you hear about people getting conned, it's it's for sort of like goods, for example, like physical goods that, you know, you, you've bought into and those goods maybe never have existed or they can't be asked to post it. On There's, there's normally some something sort of physical that someone is trying to sell or, or con you on. But this is just standing in front of a camera, reading out a message. I mean, how fucking hard is it well, to actually earn that 30 quid? It's the easiest 30 quid you'd ever earn. Exactly. So how can you knock someone for that? And you're obviously not the only one, which is no, incredible. Loads. Well, the thing is, I think in his defence, I mean, the article does defend him a little bit and say he's been busy with very, like so many requests over Christmas and various charity work that he's doing now. How genuine that is, I don't know. Like, obviously, if you're in your back against the wall to say, oh, I've been doing so much charity work would be would be quite a good way to try and get out of it. So how genuine it is, I don't know. And yeah. in his defence, I'm not, I'm not sure. How do I say this diplomatically? He's probably the the brightest of fellas, shall we say. And so I don't know how easy it is for him to read out a message and how much support he might need to read out a message. I don't know. So I, I tried I to be sympathetic to him and, 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 I, and I would have let it, obviously I would have let it go. People were messaging me saying, oh, we're still playing was it Chelmsford this weekend or something like that? You should turn. We should all turn up and get your thirty quid back and stuff. And whilst it was tempting to film it for content, I obviously don't want to bloody intimidate the fella and stuff. He's just uh, clearly, um, clearly not been overly blessed in life, has he? To be fair, so no. I like. I kind of feel a bit sorry for him, and I definitely feel. 
I feel a bit sorry for him that it's made a newspaper article as well, but he was warned. Like, I, like you know, I didn't, as I say, I didn't initiate the newspaper article. It was going to happen anyway, but I did warn him I was going to talk about it on a podcast. I said it three or four times. If you don't pay me back, I am going to turn this into a funny story on quite a popular podcast. So he had warnings and he chose to ignore them so uh, yeah, ultimately absolutely. ultimately yeah. it's his fault and ultimately he did rob me of 30 pounds so yeah. he did so, yeah, yeah. It's, mate, it's, it's inexcusable and I'm not being funny you know coming out with oh, he's been busy and he's, he's doing a lot of charity work well you know shagging lady boys in Bangkok isn't the definition <laughs> of charity work is it let's be honest but don't help yourself depends on charity you're working for I guess but, I don't, but, but yes you're right it's not your, it's not your stereotypical uh, charity work is it but uh, yeah but, but yeah, no, I say, yeah, he was obviously taking a piss. Yeah, that being busy, you're right. Actually, I didn't think of it from that perspective. Did include having a month in Thailand, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so it can't be too busy, really. And even then, if you're in Thailand, you can still record a video message, can't you? So, yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. Oh, mate, so, yeah. that is just an incredible story. I, I've enjoyed the ride, mate. And like I say, I will actually take that as a birthday present. Yeah. The, the joy of this story and how it's panned out actually means more. <laughs> than the video itself so again I, I thank you for that mate but let's get to the questions X what have you got for us so versus from Samuel Wooler a top man that does a lot of our graphics he said yeah. been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks but at Upton Park and I agree with him I've noticed this myself at Upton Park we always used to welcome back former players stroke managers with open arms since the move we don't do this anymore the recent example is the decision not to give Ballon Dawson his medal before the Wolves game why do you think we don't do this anymore. Keep up the great work, lads. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he is right. We did always used to welcome players back and players always used to enjoy coming back and having that moment with the fans. The short answer is I'm not actually too sure. Again, I don't know if it's generational. I don't know if you go back to the Upton Park days. It was more of an old school crowd where maybe we carried a bit more class about us in situations like that. Um, and I think we were very sort of cut and dry, really. If a, if a player had done wrong by us, um, we would be menacing on their return. And um, if they left amicably and said the right things when they left, then they were welcomed back with open arms. But again, you, you don't really see that either way at the London Stadium. I don't really think we're that menacing towards anyone that comes back. And I don't think we really welcome anyone back with open arms. Again, I don't know if it's a case of, you know, double the capacity, really. Uh, pretty much um, with going to London Stadium versus Upton Park, whether it's a case of, you know, we've got more tourists at the game, maybe more younger fans. Um, I can only begin to make logical sense of it with, with those points, really. But it is something I've noticed. I've noticed it, and in that particular case of Dawson, I noticed it as well, because usually the stadium announcer, you know, when they're reading out the opposition team, would go something like, when they got to his number, they'd say something like, it's a big welcome back to number 15, Craig Dawson, or whatever number he is for them. You know, there'd usually be that sort of acknowledgement from the stadium announcer, and the fans would give him a clap and that, and and I think that's classy, particularly for a player that's done well, because it's a, you know, they with, with these players, they transfer and they they're gone. They don't get a chance to say goodbye usually, unless they go at the end of the season. But in this in this case, I would have thought, yeah, with Dawson, it would have been a classy thing to do because let's be let's be right. Dawson was a great signing for us against yeah. a lot of what people thought. No one thought he'd do as well as he did. Wore his heart on his sleeve. Was very instrumental in our um, European successes and stuff. And um, yeah, a, a, a great player for us that that we I think probably end up making a profit on, which is very rare that West. 
West Ham do that um, these days, particularly an older player. And so I think, um, yeah, I think it would have been classy to give him his medal or at least do a little tribute. I mean, the argument is maybe, you know, is it because, you know, you don't want to sort of show respect to the opposition, you want to just forget about them and concentrate on your own team. But I don't know if that's an argument, really. I think I think we did it in the past. You know, I remember Tevez doing the crossed irons mm. when he came back and mm. Rio used to get a good one and, you know, fought players like that. We'd always get a decent reception. And, um, yeah, I think it shows a bit of class. I think it shows it's good to show the current players that if they treat the club well, then West Ham fans will treat them well after they've left. And I don't know why they don't do it. And maybe um maybe we could just um get uh get um sorry, I've just got a message coming through there distracting me from Martin Allen. Um, so you can only guess what that just said. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I can, he um yeah, I think it's I think so we should go back to I mean we actually interviewed the stadium announcer and in my badness, I can't remember his name, but uh, can you? Martin, isn't it? I am Martin. That's it. Well done, mate. And, um, and we interviewed him, so maybe it's something. I've got his number. I can just pop the question to him and find out why that is because, yeah, I reckon they think maybe the current generation of fans would maybe not be wanting that. There's a lot of you know, hate now, isn't there, or with mm, social yeah. media and stuff. The minute someone does something wrong, they're the worst player in the world. You know, someone should be sacked the minute they lose a game. And maybe people think that it's just the new generation wouldn't take it as well. But I mm. think it shows class if you do that personally, and I would welcome it. Obviously not for every player that's ever played for West Ham. Coming back, you know, someone like... I don't know if Jonathan Caleri came back. I don't think you'd do it for him, but certainly people like Craig Dawson, that, that you know, and if Lanzini came back or whatever, yeah. players that made a, a big contribution to our our history, I think they should get a recognition, definitely. Mm, yeah, I do. I agree. So this is from Richard um, Hoy, and he said, uh, Hi, gents. Love the show. Will the club look to set up some kind of partnership with Wickham? As Potts' loan has gone very well and hopefully could do it. We'll go the same way. It could work out well for both parties. I think that's probably one for you, to be honest. I mean, I could see sense in it if if it's if it's been successful so far and both clubs like dealing with each other and it's produced some valuable experience for players then I can't see why not. I mean, I don't know if you know whether there's something more concrete behind that, X. Um, I haven't heard of anything officially concrete, no, and obviously we're trying to get that link with that Austrian club. Remember, we signed that player in the summer called Irving, I think, and he, you know, and then we loaned him straight back to his Austrian side. That was meant to be the start of a partnership with them. I think loosely with Wickham, we might be able to do this long term because, you know, I don't think you have to have an official agreement, but if it works well for both clubs for us to keep loaning there and Wickham, you know, treat our players well when they play them regularly as they have been doing with Potts and the and the players progress there, then it could be a sort of informal agreement that works well because, you know, Wickham aren't a rival. They're local-ish, though. You know, I went to that Wickham game in the, in the week and it took me about an hour and a half to get there. So they're a local team to go to. Um, they're League One. So it's decent standard and, you know, informally. You can have that agreement, I think, you know, in the past... I think Leighton Orient had one with Spurs. You know, they had Harry Kane and numerous other players from Spurs go to Leighton Orient on loan, and I don't think there was ever an official, as far as I know, and I could be stand corrected here, that I don't think there was ever an 
official agreement of that. It's just it was a loan system due to the localities of the teams and so on that work quite well. I think Norwich have that quite a lot in with teams in Norfolk like um Dis and um, Kings Lynn and teams like that where they loan a lot of their youngsters to. Again, I don't know if it's formally agreed, but I think you could carry it on with West Ham and Wickham because it seems to work well. As um, as we've said there, Potts has done really well, could do well, will hopefully do well. And yeah, why not? Why not have that informal agreement? Mm. Well, especially if you're dealing with a club that respects West Ham, respects the process, respects the terms, and actually buys into the development of a player because too many times we've sent players out on loan and they end up just rotting on the bench and, and you sit there scratching your head as to what the whole point and purpose was of that player going to that club. He's gained nothing in terms of experience. It's probably done nothing but knock his confidence because he can't get into a League One side. Um, how's he ever going to get into West Ham side? And I think it, it, too many times it's been detrimental. So if we can work with a club and partner with a club that actually believes in the process and respects the process of developing a player they are genuinely interested in playing, it can only be a good thing, can't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and it would benefit Wickham as well, because if yeah. Wickham can you know, prove to us, as they seem to be doing, that they're a good club to loan players to, then, you know, for future years, we might start to loan some of these players and, and you know, let's have it. We've got a very good academy. So players like, you know, I went to that Wickham game, as I said, and I thought for the first 10, 15 minutes, we were dodgy at the back. I think nerves got the better of some of the players, particularly one defender um, and I'm not going to name it because that's harsh but I think there was a bit of uh, yeah, nerves going on there And but once the, the lads settled and they started to feel confident other than the physical things like at corners they were a bit more dominant because obviously they've grown men and powerful and experienced the actual technical side of the game outside of set pieces West Ham were much better much better and the kids were much better players than what Wickham had so it would benefit Wickham you know if Wickham end up they've got Kudua but they could if they ended up taking any of those academy players you know Lewis Orford Oli Skulls George Earthy Caelan Casey you know Ryan Bartram any of these players on loan then they um then they would benefit from it so I mean it works well for for, for both clubs to um to have to have that partnership so hopefully yeah because we've been let down by too many teams in the past um, and so if we can get a team that we can get at least a couple of players to every season and they do well then happy days and West Ham fans are close enough to go and watch them as well if we wanted to as well so does that benefit yeah, well? yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so this is from Jason Williams and he said hi lads on Sky Sports News a few weeks back I remember them discussing kudos and that when he signed he apparently asked for assurances that Paqueta was staying before he signed for us I don't remember reading this or hearing this anywhere at the time of his signing so do we know that this is true seems bizarre to me given that he apparently has a release clause so it's out of our hands thanks gents great show it does seem like a strange one, and I don't know if that's news to you, X. It was news to me. I hadn't heard that. I mean, the only thing I can think of, it, and like any you know player that's signing, don't forget, Kudos had interest from <clears throat> numbers of teams, particularly Chelsea. Chelsea were very keen on him. So, you know, when you're looking, obviously, he, this season we look better than they do, but traditionally in the last 20 years, if you used to look at the two teams, you'd think, right, Chelsea have got guaranteed star players there. West Ham squad's not far off them. But if they sell... No Pacquiao, sell Bowen, etc., etc. Then it's going to change. So I reckon Kudos probably had a chat where he said, you know, 
what's the plans are you planning to build with the current good players you've got or will you be selling players um, if it comes round to it and so I reckon West Ham said look we want to get hold, keep hold of Pakitar because they did you know he's got a release clause but we're going to try and talk to him to get that release clause taken out if we get a new contract blah 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 and I reckon they reassured him that way I couldn't I wouldn't have thought it was like a formal agreement again, like like the last question, but I'd imagine they would have said, look, our plans are, we want to build this team. You three will be essential to it. And then we'll add to that squad. You know, we've already signed Alvarez, who Kudos would have known, obviously, from his Ajax days. We've signed him. We've signed, you know, we got Pakatar, we've got Bowen. You know, we've got other players that are, you know, going to be joining us or are already there that are top quality. So we're building to get better. And I reckon it would have been a sort of indirect assurance like that rather than a formal sort of agreement. Yeah, and and he would be within his rights to do that. I'd be, to be honest, quite surprised if he didn't have that conversation because he is kind of, you know, making that leap into the Premier League and um, he knows his own ability. He's very confident in his own ability. But, he, he, you know, good players play better with good players. And you don't want to go to West Ham who have just won a European Cup only to be part of a selling club. And then, you know, your performances deteriorate because you're playing with lesser players. So I understand that conversation taking place, definitely. The un- the unfortunate position that we're in is that us being West Ham and not being a Champions League side, we're always going to be at risk of losing our best players. Now, I do believe that one thing that you can say about Golden Sullivan is that I, I do believe that they have stopped us being a selling club. It's not as if we're losing stars left, right and centre. And if we do lose someone, it's usually on our terms. So you have to give a, an element of respect to them for, for what they've achieved in that respect. But of course, you know, if this um, betting scandal in inverted commas uh, goes away, then a Man City going to come back in? Are we within our rights to say no if we do? What's Lucas going to think about that? Are they going to trigger the release clause? You know, so that is probably going to be taken out of our hands. Um, and in the likes of Jared Bowen, you, you'd like to think that he'd commit to that long-term contract. But as we know, contracts don't really mean anything in football if the player wants to go. So, yeah, I, I think because of that, you can't, if you're Mohamed Kudus, ask for guarantees because there are no guarantees in football. But of course, it does show ambition on his part to want to join a club that is growing and building towards knocking on the door of, of Champions League qualification and trophies. So yeah, I'm pleased that he did have the conversation. I'm pleased that he's joined because, you know, you look at the likes of Man United, fucking hell, he'd walk into that team. I mean, look at Anthony, look at look how much money they spent on him. It's 80 plus million, I think. Mm. Kudus would absolutely rip it up anywhere, in my opinion. I think he's that oh, yeah. good. So we've absolutely nicked him, and and I hope he's he's here for the long haul because I think he's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I think he'd get into every Premier League team. Like, you know, you look at it. The only one maybe Arsenal. They got Saka and Martinelli, but I think if you played him on the left, he's better than he's better than Martinelli. I would say um, Manchester City. You, know, you argue there, but I think he'd still get game time there, and every other club. You know, I think he, I think he'd walk into their team. So, yeah, I think he's. I think we've done so well to get him, and I'm really pleased. Uh, like you know, the recruitment team um, did brilliant to get him because don't don't get me wrong. You know, you've obviously got Tim Steinton there, but the recruitment team also put these things together. And often, the recruitment teams are the first ones that make the the interest in a player to Tim Steinton or to David Moyes. So to pick him out and show all the stats that would convince David Moyes, because remember, David Moyes is very statistic and hype 
uh, influenced and so on. So to be able to put everything together that shows he was worth going for and then to go for him. And well, it's mean, it a brilliant move by the team. And, you know, he got himself a, a real bargain there, 100%. Um, this is from Bailey Smith. And he said, <clears throat> love the show, guys. My question is, if we were to have the club taken over, what would be your preference of owners? For example, would you like an American or a Saudi owner who have money <clears throat> but don't really know a lot about football? Or a rich person who lives and breathes football, if there was one, or maybe go down the Red Bull route and be taken over by an actual company or business or something or someone else. Cheers. Yeah, and, and do you know what? This also points towards another argument to say, be careful what you wish for, because I know that the current owners are not everyone's cup of tea, to say the least. But, you know, it does beg the question, would you like to have... Saudi owners, for example, with their ethics and, and their morals and their, their kind of take on humanity, for example, you know, is that something we would want? Would we want, would we want to kind of, I don't want to use the word sell out, but would we sort of sacrifice those morals and ethics to become cash rich and compete for trophies? That's a separate question. Would you like, um, an American owner from say the NFL who, who isn't an expert on football, but has the money, but would have maybe more of a standoff approach who you would never see and would actually only ever see that as an investment? Because at the very least with, with David Sullivan and certainly David Gold was that they are West Ham fans. They do genuinely want the best for the club. Now, how they've gone about doing that and whether people would agree with that. He's, he's a, again, a separate conversation, but I do think you've got to be careful what you wish for. In an ideal world, you would want a cash-rich West Ham fan running the club, but we don't live in an ideal world, do we? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I think that's spot on. You want, ideally, like you said, you want a cash-rich West Ham fan that understands the club, has been a fan, maybe a fan that's made their, you know, come from nothing and, and made their wealth um, whilst being a fan. You know, someone like you maybe would be would be brilliant. And, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see, I'm going to get that get the patron haters uh, yeah, uh, yeah. to throw even more knives at us. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we can even buy um, maybe a right toe of a footballer at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, it's good to go off the subject. Um, I think yeah, a, a rich a rich West Ham fan that's made their money as a supporter, you know, weren't necessarily born into wealth, but I don't know, came up with a brilliant idea or whatever it may be, made their money and then massive West Ham fans that understood the history the traditions, the 
passion of the fans and so on. I think that would be the ideal world. I mean, you could argue, you could argue, and I am arguing for argument's sake, that that's what we have. You know, we have rich West Ham fans that have made their money themselves, that were fans before, but obviously, I think numerous times, they've misunderstood the fan base and they've pitched things wrong. And obviously, financially, they're not... Whether they are or not, they're not as strong as we'd like them to be in terms of their output for West Ham. So that's the argument there. Um, you, uh, you look at foreign owners, you know, as you say, you've got the ethical dilemmas of certain countries. You've got the lack of knowledge of others. I mean, obviously Chelsea got Todd Baholi or whatever his name is and the amount of gaps he's made. I mean, you know, he didn't know that teams got relegated from the Premier League because obviously in NFL that doesn't happen so he didn't know that in the Premier League teams change and so when someone said to him how do you feel about Chelsea getting relegated that to explain the whole like potentially getting relegated that to explain the whole concept to him he also said his favourite formation is 4-4-3 I think and um, you know it's just <laughs> certain things like that where you just think geez, like you've got to have someone with some knowledge as well um, so I mean, if you had a wealthy investor like him, you'd definitely need like a you know managing director or someone that had football knowledge that would be you know that he would then employ. You would hope, but yeah, ideally, it's a rich West Ham fan with West Ham's interests at heart. Someone that like they're a bit like uh, Dave Whelan at Wigan or. What was that guy that owned Blackburn? Uh, Walker was his name, was it? Was Jack it Walker, wasn't it? Jack Walker, that's it. Yeah, I should, should know. It's the same surname as you. Yeah, Jack, Jack Walker and um, and Dave Wynn at Wigan. They were both massive fans of those clubs. Jack Jack Walker's the perfect example. You know, he, he was a massive fan, made his money through Steelworks or something, I think. I can't remember exactly, but made his money, bought the club, the club that he loved, ploughed all that money into it. They won the Premier League. And um, happy days. And that's probably what you want. But again, how many of those out there is there? Rich West Ham fans that would put everything first for the club. You, you don't know. But that would be the the dream scenario, definitely. I'll tell you what, right? You could have some fun with that Chelsea owner, couldn't you? Oh, I mean, gotcha. being that clueless, you could say that. And, and how do you feel that Stamford Bridge has to be pulled down within the next 12 months by order? You know, have you yeah. got a place for that? You'd be like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. I can't build a motherfucking stadium in 12 motherfucking months. Uh. You, you breaking my balls or what? <laughs> when did you tell it to Brawley Darbin? To be fair, Bra- Brawley doesn't speak like that at all. Brawley's a very, well, no. as you all people that listen to the podcast, are very, very well educated. They would, they would, know, they're a very well educated man. They would know that he doesn't speak like that, but for some reason, Dave and I have created Brawley knows we do this have created him to be some like ultimate American gangster in our head when we talk about him so yeah. all he ever says is fucking this oh, I was, I was an American I said it was scarcity yeah I was going to say I'd said more scarce than American but yeah when we talk about him it's always as Dave just did that yeah. hence, hence the joke I'm Brawley motherfucking diving <laughs> Oh dear! That was fun. His dad listens to the show as well. He does. So he's, and he's uh, a good man as well. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good lads. But uh, yeah, Brody doesn't really speak like that. But for comical purposes, in my in my Dave's made up West Ham world, Brody does speak like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you would honestly with this Chelsea owner, you'd throw things in like, and how do you feel about the, the ten year transfer embargo that you're faced with at the moment? You know, you could just have hours of fun with him. Oh, yeah. he, he don't know his arse from his elbow. This guy, no, exactly. No, exactly. He'd be 
be good, or you can say like, you know, we heard that uh, um, Pochino, Pochino, Pochino is uh, <laughs> he's just he's thinking about playing Sanchez up front and sticking um, sticking uh, I don't know whoever like Brozier uh, uh, in goal. How do you feel yeah. about that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, we don't even know they are X to be no, honest. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, so this is from the one and only Mr. Kipling, and he said, "Hi, David X. Hope you're both well." Question for X: With you recently qualified as an agent, are you looking to sign players up, or is it purely to make it easier to get info from clubs and other agents? So it's a good question because I got asked this question quite a few times, so I put it in there just to to clarify. So yeah. originally, so I have been working for an agency, and I have actually done some work that would constitute as good work for the agency. Um, for example, I brought Kate Longhurst, the West Ham women's, former West Ham women's player, who now plays for Charlton to the agency. I brought in a few other players. I've done quite a few things for them in that respect. Um, brought in a number of players that uh, will hopefully turn out to be really good ones, hoping to get a top West Ham one to us soon anyway um so i have done productive agency work and it was a sort of side thing to what dave and i do more so like in my previous job i was used to working 24 7 24 7 and dave and i do work very very hard but there are moments in the day when i just have moments to do things and i thought joe i got approached by a really good guy really top bloke big west ham fan and just said do you want to work for work under me just on a sort of trial basis did it for a trial basis then they were like right agency exams are coming up do you want to put through them and I was like I guess I could actually what have I got to lose don't know how I did it but only 33% passed which I was one I managed to fluke it uh, somehow uh, with minimal revision and I am but I think that's uh, largely because I some of the things I knew from my previous job and some of the things I knew just from doing what I do as X so that was so then I just needed to boost it did that passed exam I'm now on the FIFA NFA registered list of agents so those of you that do know my name you will find my name on there but the other reason was because i did think it would really open up my my use to the west ham way in the sense that i would understand the process of transfers better i would understand what you can and can't do i would understand um you know the legalities of certain things and like the question says i would also be able to increase my network of people that I talk to so agents and stuff and actually this window particularly agents have been very useful in getting me information so um, yeah it's, it's had its benefits and so it's a bit of both it's a, a part time hobby stroke yeah, a part-time hobby that gives me a little bit of pocket money um, but it's also very beneficial for my role as a West Ham I don't know what to call it, like a news reporter, I guess, because it gives me a whole new network that I can tap into. I was going to say in my section, but for example, today, I'm not actually in the meeting, but there's a website called Transfer Room, and it's basically a website where football clubs can put, it's like a virtual transfer list, so you can say which players you've got that are available. You can say which positions you're looking for as a club. You can declare your interest in um, players of other clubs and it's all visible 
I've only looked at it a few times, but you can go through and you can see this. So for me, it's like gold dust. I can see what players are available, what clubs, which clubs are particularly interested in them. So when I when I break news, all my news has been verified either this way or by people in the club or by agents and stuff. So nothing I say, despite what people on Facebook love to say, I think Facebook don't people don't really understand what I do. They just see my name cut, release a bit of news two days after it's been on Patreon because I, the West Ham Way website runs my news with my permission, but they can't run it until a day or so after I've already I've said it on Patreon so that patrons get their benefit. But then people on Facebook don't understand this process. They're like, well, we've heard that before. X knows fucking nothing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> basically, it comes two days later because of that reason. And... um Everything I say has been verified. I never sit there and make something up. I might make the odd educated guess on something, but 95% of things I say is a hundred percent factual. And a lot of things come from websites like this. You know, I can see what clubs are interested. And so, yeah. So to have access to transfer room and other things like that is another better, massive benefit of me doing this. So that's the reasons. That's really interesting. I, I like the concept of that transfer room. It's like you say, it's like a virtual modern day transfer list if you like is that yeah. across all, all levels does that include Premier yes. League clubs as well yeah, yeah. Well, you, you get visibility on that I, I did I, <laughs> I have to be a little bit careful how much I say I can see it put it that way I can see it's expensive it's expensive, and I, but wow. I can see it, yeah. And um, it, that, it enables me to, I mean, obviously, not all interest, interest is put on there for that reason. You know, if West Ham are interested in a player, let's say, that doesn't, um, that's got a bit under the radar, they don't put it on there because they wouldn't want other clubs to see it. So it's not the, you know, it doesn't take everything that West Ham do. But for example, if West Ham are looking to get rid of a couple of loan players, like young players on loan, for example, it will have their names on it and it will say that they're available for loan. And then sometimes you can see clubs that have registered their interest in it. So sometimes when I say, you know, I don't know, Callum Marshall's got these clubs interested in him, then I know because I've seen them on that website. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. That is yeah. interesting. And, and credit to you, mate. You've done well to pass that because obviously with a 33% pass rate, it, it obviously wasn't an easy exam to take. So no. credit to you, mate. It's good to yeah, done thank that. Thank you, mate. Yeah, no, it was, it was it was interesting. It was a real shambles. The exam, I mean, I don't know if people have read it, but um, we went. We had to go out to Birmingham and it was in this in the NEC, this massive room. And there was like agents everywhere, like people I recognised, loads of ex-players. Harry Kane's brother was there. Um Kevin Davis, I sat next to, you know, the old Bolton, yes, Southampton yeah. forward, yeah, I sat next to him, there was uh, Matt Murray, the Wolves keeper, was like, slightly to my right, there was like, just play- ex-players everywhere, it was in this massive hall, the internet didn't work, it was so, so it's basically, you have an hour, and you have to get a minimum 15 out of 20 in this test, and it's, it's about, and you get, a, you get study material, so the question will come of that study material, and you can look at the study material, in the test so as long as you know right 
I don't know, loan transfers, as long as you know roughly where it is in the study material, you can flick to the study material and, like, get your answer. So the answer is everywhere, apart from there's a couple of ones. You have to do some maths, which was obviously my biggest challenge, but you have to, like, work out trading money owned to clubs that have trained players. You have to work out if you're an agent, how much money you'd be paid from certain deals and things like that. So you have to do a bit of maths. But as long as you know where the answer is, then you're fine. But what happened was the study material is online so you need the internet and the the test is online as well with a ticking timer an hour along and the internet was playing up like anything some people couldn't get onto the internet so they end up talking to their mates and you're trying to do this test which is meant to be silent you got three lads having a, a chin wag and a laugh right next to you you had you're not meant to cheat obviously but you had people on their phones calling up their mates saying what's the answer to this one what's the answer to this one because people weren't checking you, yeah it was absolute carnage if you Google it, something like FIFA agent exam chaos or something, you'll find articles on it. It was an absolute nightmare. But thankfully for me, I was literally sat right in the far corner of this big hall. So like front corner of this big hall. So where I was, it was relatively quiet because I was right near the front. And um, and I was somehow, somehow managed to black it. And obviously out of the 33%, I was one of them that passed. And now it means that you know I can represent any player I want pretty much and a lot of what's been interesting this window and it might be a reason that there hasn't been as many transfers if you look at it, it could be a reason is that a lot of agents didn't pass so now they can't be involved in transfers, of course all they need to do is contact someone like me or someone else in their agents that did pass and say look we'll give you, I know 500 quid if you just put your name to it but it's it's not as easy as that for play, for people like Harry Kane, who his brother is his agent, Declan Rice, his dad's his agent. You know, they're going to need to have an official representative at some point, and therefore they're going to need someone to pass those exams. Um, and you can only pass them twice a year. They do it in April and September, I think. So at this point, there's quite a few agents that can't actually officially do chances. I believe, I don't know if it's officially came into place yet, and there might be someone that can answer better, but um, certainly that'll be the way forward if they don't pass it it's going to be difficult for them i mean anyway. i don't know if if your agency is purely uh footballers but it's not no it, well uh, in which from case, tennis. It, right okay i was going to say if you can expand even more outside of that then surely passing that exam means that you can now legally represent the wheelstone raider <laughs> yeah. quite possibly I don't think I would want to they'd never fucking pay me would they but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah maybe I don't know I don't know how it works beyond football but yeah you never yeah. know maybe maybe he falls <laughs> under football I don't know but it'd be, uh, it'd be uh, yeah I'd, I think I'll still stay away from him as I say the minute I got my 30 quid back I blocked him blocked him on Instagram so uh, my, my days of dealing with the Wilson Raider are done I think that's it um, <laughs> Never say never. No, you never know. It'd be quite funny to actually bump into him Monday, but we'll see. Um, so this is from Jonathan Hewer, and he said, Hi, guys. Love your work. Hopefully a fun one for both of you. You turn on the TV to watch a game. What host, two pundits, commentator, and co-commentator make it the best viewing experience? Equally, if you want to be controversial, what combination would be the worst? And a second one, if you have the time, X, you might know more. Has there been an interest in Jonathan, 
Johnny Rowe from Norwich, homegrown at a club, not going anywhere, can play anywhere behind the forward. And with Norwich's finances, probably not the most expensive. So to answer the second question quickly, yes, I've already reported interest in Jonathan Rowe. Where you been? Um, as uh, uh, someone we know used to say, um, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's been in a number of my updates. So um, yes, there was interest, but I don't think he's a priority position. I massively rate him. As people know, I've got connections to Norwich, and from what I've heard from people I know at the club and what I've seen, he looks a very, very good player. He's only really had one season from since coming from the academy, but he looks a very good player. And I wouldn't say Norwich are going nowhere because they're just outside the playoffs, but I know what he means. Certainly, we should be able to recruit from there. So, yeah, I think he is a target, but not a top target. But let's go on to the, um, the question then about the TV show, the host, and... Um, and the com- the commentator, the co-commentators, who do you want? Oh, okay. So, well, let's take one by one then. What are we kicking off with? Go, the host. I find that hardest, though, because I don't pay as much attention to the host. But No, no, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I don't mind the, the, the current host on Sky Sports who sits down with... Um, no, me neither. Mariga. Yeah, um, me neither. So, you know, yeah. for... for, for, for Ease of use, I think I'd go with him. Dave, I yeah. think he's, isn't it? I don't know what his last name is, but... I don't know. Um, I think, isn't he the guy that might be a shareholder in Sunderland, possibly? I think I think there's a Sky Sports presenter um, that actually has a has shares in Sunderland, I think. Really? Yeah, let me just Google that, because I've, that's the one we're talking about, because he's, he's good. Dave Jones, yeah. Dave Jones is a non-executive director of Sunderland. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, let's go with him then. I think I think he's decent at what he does. And then yeah. you've got the two. See, I think Sky have got that pretty much nailed down because I I do like Neville and Carragher yeah. as pundits a lot. Actually, I, I think they talk a good game. I think they're charismatic. I think they bounce off each other really well. So it's going to be hard to look outside of those two. I, I do also like Danny Murphy. I think he's do more you? serious. Yeah, I do uh, actually. That you don't. No, see, I, I, I actually. Yeah, well, see, now that's the thing. He, he would lack a bit of character and personality, but I think his understanding of the game and some of the points he makes around his punditry are very good. But I, I'm just trying to throw alternative names out there. I, I, I think you'd be hard pushed to beat uh, Neville and Carragher. Okay, I'll throw two other names that I, three other names that I would consider. Um, Ali McCoist. Yes, I like Ali McCoist. Yeah, I yeah, do like see. Ali McCoist. I like him on the microphone. I think he's a good co-commentator. Um, I've never yep. been commentator yet, um, but Ali McCoyst, um, Mika Richards. Um, yeah, I do. I do like him. Um, whether he's a bit too jovial, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't dislike him. I, yes. I've got to be honest. I absolutely love Roy Keane. I yes, can, so that I was the other one I was all day long. I can listen to him all day long. I was going to go to. I was going to say Roy Keane. See, I, I, I think for me it would be Carragher, Neville, and Roy Keane. Maybe I'd have Neville on the co-commentary, possibly. Because I think he's quite good. Although I do like Ali McCoyst as well. Um, but I think I would have Keane, Neville, Carragher, certainly in the studio. But then I do like Mickey Richards' humour that he brings. I think it's good to have someone like him. It's a little bit hard to take him too seriously, though, because as you say, he's got yeah. that jovial reputation and also his career. I mean, whilst it wasn't a bad career, was he played for Man City in England? And I know it was injuries, but it didn't, it kind of petered out. It didn't really make the same heights as the likes of, you know, Roy Keane and, um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carrigan did it. So I always find he's a bit, not a fraud, but. Oh, I don't think his credentials are as strong as the others. The other ones, Jamie Redknapp. 
Yeah, I like Jamie Redknapp as well. Yeah. I like him. But um, I think, if anything, it's a credit to Sky, really, that we're probably going to agree on who they've already got in place, which is Dave, the host, Dave Jones, and, and Neville and Carragher. But I, I would I would like to fit Roy Keane in there somewhere because I, I just think he's fantastic entertainment value, so dry. And, and obviously, he's very knowledgeable about the game as well. So, you know, in an ideal world, it'd be good to have three of them on the panel. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that'd be good. What about commentator? Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Pierce. I, I always have been. I think he's actually massively underrated as well, Jonathan Pierce. Uh, so that's relatively easy for me, unless you, uh, unless you're going to throw a curveball. What about Ian Dark? I quite like him. Uh, who's that? Who's that, mate? Sorry, Ian Dark. He does the boxing as well as the football at the sky. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. I mean, to be fair, there are there are some good commentators out there, but. I've just always, I don't know, even as part of my childhood, like Jonathan Pierce, I've always liked his tone of voice, his enthusiasm, his natural passion for football. I also think he's got a massive soft spot for West Ham as well, Jonathan Pierce, by the way. So um, I don't know. I rate him very highly. And I think whilst there are other good commentators out there, I think, I actually think I would go with him and have Ali, Ali McCoy as the co-commentator. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, I think think so. I, yeah, I think I'd go with Ian Dark, but just I like his. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that he's been around since we were kids. So I quite like mm. that. I know Jonathan Pierce has, but on radio, I quite like Clive Tildesley as well. Yeah, yeah. So yep. yeah, Very good. I, 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 Sam Matterface is all right as well. Um, but yep. yeah, so I think that's what I would I would go for. Um, if I was to go Ian Dark and um, Ali McCoy, so then have Neville Carragher and Keane in the studio. Yeah. And maybe yeah, have, like, Mick and Richards could do, like, documentaries or something, you know, or, like, you know, interviews and things like that. Yeah, but this is it. I mean, you, you can expand the workforce as well, can't you? Because you've got your pitch side interviews before the game, the behind-the-scenes stuff as well. So, you know, you can have quite a few people on the firm, really. But um, I, I think Neville Carragher and Roy Keane in the studio is is brilliant. And for me, Jonathan Pierce and Ali McCoy, I think the only thing we're potentially differing on there is the commentator, but they're both very good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, next question is I've sent a message from Darmesh there, um, which is interesting. I'm going to have to try and build that into my conversation. Um, so he, Tom's put, uh, hi lads. Hope you're well. I've been bashing my head against the wall in frustration that I seem to be the only one saying the one area we need to strengthen the most is cover for Alvarez. Yes, there's other positions we are weak in in terms of cover, but if Alvarez gets injured or even if he doesn't and gets out overplayed because no one else can do that specialist DM role, then I think our season takes a turn for the worst. Do you think recording Flynn Downs would be a good solution to this? Uh, yes, I do, actually. And uh, the reason I do is, firstly, I agree. I think we do lack cover for Alvarez in that position. And if he gets injured or suspended, and there's a good chance, especially on the suspension with his track record, that that is going to be the case, you're either going to have to upset the system and the formation or you're going to have to bring someone else in. Now, who do you bring in? Now, in terms of going out and signing a player, again, you've got the same problem, really, in that if you go out and sign a top quality defensive midfielder, number one, it's going to cost you a lot of money to sp- to spend on a player that we don't class as a priority position. And number two, if he is quality, he's going to want to play week in, week out. So the challenge is getting someone that's good enough to come in and do a job, but someone who realistically isn't going to play over Alvarez. So that's very challenging. 
the solution, I think, is in the question. I think you get Flynn Downs back, who by all accounts is having a, a really good season at Southampton. He's a West Ham fan, massive West Ham fan. So I think he'd be more than happy to be part of the squad again. And he would be, in my opinion, a really good option if Alvarez um, is injured or suspended because he's got a fantastic engine on him and he fits in that position nicely. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that it's a position we need to be looking closely at. Um, and I also agree with the answer in the question that Flynn, I think, could come in and do a job. Oh yeah, well that's it. Yeah, I think Flynn could do a job. I think he'd be a really good, um, uh, you know, cover for uh, Alvarez. I was happy that we had Connor Coventry, to be honest with you, which is why um, I wasn't too bothered about us getting one because I thought Connor Coventry could do the job. But obviously he's now left, so we are lacking in that position. And I do think um, it's, uh, I do think it's going to be down to um, whether we feel Suchek could cover there because Suchek has played there a number of times before as well. Could he be the one that just sits there in front of that defence? Possibly. So then I think that gives you cover then, but I think the reason I hadn't said it before was because we had Conor Coventry. Now it is something to consider, but I do think Suchet would be an adequate um, adequate replacement. But then you're taking some of his qualities away from his game in that, in that respect. How many late arrival runs is he going to make in the box if he's playing as a, a defensive midfielder sitting behind the central midfield? Is yeah. he going to be neglecting that duty by by spending time in the final third, which he's done so well at times this season, nicking the odd goal, sometimes the odd winner. And that's been because he's progressed from central midfield whilst Alvarez has covered him. If, you, if you're asking Suchek to then sit in that position, you're also really asking him to sacrifice making those late runs into the box, which is a big part of his game, I think. Yeah. yeah Even so- though I, I agree, I think he could do that role. I just think by putting him in that role, you're possibly sacrificing some of his biggest strengths. Mm, yeah, quite possibly. Um, this one's from Hayden. Popal. Hello, lads. Personally, do you think if we don't get Jack Clark, it could be another Madison, Watkins, Tony situation that 20 million isn't such a bad price when he is worth 50 plus in a few years' time? I find people so quick to say 20 million is overpriced now, but not think of the future. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I think from memory, didn't he come from Tottenham? Didn't he start at Tottenham and then went to Sunderland and has yeah. been doing really well and he's now sort of booked as this wonder kid? Yeah. Um, and I think he's got 12 goals as well. So I think that's pretty much all I know about him. And I think he is on that left wing. So it is a key position that we're looking at as well, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, I, if they would let him go for 20 million and everyone at the club was in agreement that he's a good player and, and was good enough to play at Premier League level, I think it's so for change. And if anything, you know, we've been tried and tested by looking at what we did with Jared Bowen. We we had a, a, a pump with Jared, taking him from Hull in the championship, and look what he's become. So if he could become the next Jared Bowen, why not? Because mm-hmm. if he's as good as everyone's saying that he is, he ain't going to be around for long. Mm-hmm. And 20 million in today's market, is it? it's not a lot of money, is it? Let's be honest. Well, there's always this thing like British tax. If a, if, a, if a British player does well, they always go up in value. And I think we've too reluctant in the past, as as the guy points out, Madison Watkins, Tony, and there's been others, Kilman. You know, there's been loads that where we thought, oh, it might be a bit too much for them. And then they've gone on to prove us wrong. And I think, I think this is the case here. I would just take the gamble on him because, you know, if it is 20 million, right, you're not, you might lose a bit of money on him, but he's not going to be that. 
that bad that you're going to lose terrible about somebody on him because he's proven he can do it at championship level for Sunderland. You might take a hit, you might take a hot, I don't know, let's just say worst case scenario comes and he's a bit average, you sell him for 10 million, 8 million, right, you've lost 12 million, but you know, you pay that much in loan fees and stuff when you sign other players. So I think we've got to start taking the gambles because we, we as was said there, Madison, I, I tried so hard to get the club to sign him. I did everything I could to try and get the club so they wouldn't listen. Rightly so, to them, I'm a nobody. Um, and they didn't listen. And now, look, same with, I know we were offered Tony and we turned that down. I know we were offered Watkins and we turned that down. And so... I think we have to start looking that the majority of the time, if British players are good enough to get the attention they're getting, then usually they'll go on to be worth even more in the future. Of course, not every time, but most times. And again, Gerard Bowen is the perfect example of that. Someone we took a gamble with at Hull, you know, no Premier League experience, but look what he's turned out to be for us. So I think we do have to start being a bit more um, accepting that, yes, they might be high-priced, in a, compared to olden day prices, usually these players do go on to to be worth more than what you've actually paid, and we need to take that gamble. Um, yeah. This is this is from Toby Santa. So a la- last question for this section, and he said, "Love the show, lads. Great value for money. If you were professional footballers, I know the answer for you straight away on this one. What club clubs would you sign for in your career? What manager would you want to play under, past or present? What boots would you wear, and uh, how?" would you wear your kit long sleeves tucked in low low socks what position would you play and what would be your style I can imagine Dave's signing video of him being next to Suchek both saying come on you irons and, <laughs> and Dave doing his impression and X to be a big unveiling like in take me out yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come that is brilliant. Come down the lift or whatever the game show that is. Like oh, the God. Yeah, that the is fantastic. That <laughs> is fantastic. Well, I, I think, well, firstly, I play for West Ham. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone. Um, and, I mean, when I was of a certain age, and I've, I've, I don't know how old I would have been, actually. Um, probably in, a, I don't know. 35? <laughs> no, I, I think it might have been around, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, that sort of age. I was obsessed with Paolo Di Canio and I used to model my game on him. And and so in terms of my playing style, uh, I was always very good at dribbling. Or I could always beat two, three players and get myself in a position where I could get my shot in on goal. My accuracy and my finishing was decent and I wasn't the slowest. So um, I think my play style would be very much centred around Paolo and I would be a left-footed striker. I think my boots would be probably, I think, if you'd have asked an 11, 12, 13-year-old, it might have been Predators. But now, looking back, I think I'd have to go with Puma Kings, the retro classics. Uh, I think I'd have my socks rolled down because I like that look and possibly, possibly shirt untucked, I think. But and of course, in tribute to Paolo Di Canio, I would have to have a, a West Ham girls' hairband tied tie around my wrist as well, which is what I used to do in the school playground. How I didn't get the shit kicked out of me, I don't know, but that's what I used to do. What about boots? Did you say boots there? Yeah, Puma Kings. Oh, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so for me, you know, I'd play for any club that took me. <laughs> I, don't think I, was, I think I was good enough to be one, but you know, obviously, the obvious question is ideally West Ham. If I had to consider other clubs, of course, a big money 
moves to AC Milan would be quite appealing. Um, I would uh, obviously Real Madrid, Barcelona, but uh, I think we're talking way, way beyond my standards here. Um, and, uh, and if it was more sort of localised, I'd definitely turn out for Leighton Orient or Charlton or someone like that. But uh, like Dave could have. But um, yeah, obviously West Ham, Norwich maybe would be a consideration. But yeah, West Ham would always be the ultimate choice. And I'd love to be the, the one club man like uh, Mark Noble in terms of positions. When I was a kid, I would say I was probably more of a midfielder or an attacker, but again, generally filled in where, uh, where there was a need. Spent time in the school team at centre-back, which is ridiculous, because I'm the most undefensive person ever, or a right-back at times, but uh, yeah, most comfortable, probably in midfield, or as a lazy forward, like Tony Cossey, just standing in the box, trying to finish uh, chances. That's probably my best position now, because I wouldn't have to run as much, but uh, yeah, I think more as a sort of lazy forward, fox in the box maybe. Um, in terms of boots, I was always either Adidas or Nike, so probably Nike, Chiempo, I think they're called now, so maybe one of those um, playing style, selfish, probably, um, and just interested in scoring and self-glory, not not really the, the, the best team player, possibly, and uh, past managers, uh uh, I don't know. Although it's no longer possible, I think Terry Venables would have been a good coach to play for. I think I can imagine yeah. getting on quite I'll well with him. That one. I think I'd love to play for Bobby Robson. I thought he'd be yeah, a good yeah, yeah, he'd he'd be a good one. Good yeah, he'd be good. Yeah. Harry Redknapp. I don't think yeah. it'd be a dull moment, would there? Um, no, and I like Harry a lot. I, I know a lot of West Ham fans. He divides opinion, but I like him a lot. I think I'd like to play for him. I think Zola would probably sort my style in the sense that he's nice and I think he wouldn't like bollock me if I missed an open goal so <laughs> maybe, maybe Zola as well um, but yeah but, uh, I mean if, if that's your tick list Navarin Grant would be perfect because he'd be uh, yeah. asleep most of the time wouldn't yeah, he yeah maybe him yeah, I need a manager that doesn't actually realise I'm shit so yeah maybe <laughs> maybe yeah, Frank Grant yeah maybe he'd be the best one but uh, yeah no, no, that's yeah it's hard to say really because I've never been good enough so but um, um, yeah, Johnny like, Lyle, obviously. Yeah, of course. I had a mate that I went to uni with, and he was as you know same standard of football as me. But he he used to map out like literally he, in his head, he was obsessed. He would map out scenarios of how his imaginary career was going to go. So he'd always start off in an academy, then he'd join this other club, then there'd be a controversial move. I remember at one point. Okay, this is the guy who always changes what football club he supports, but I think he said he joined Rangers, and I think he was playing for Rangers, and then Celtic made a move for him, so he signed for Celtic, so he's the first person really to make that move and be accepted, and whilst playing for Celtic, he accidentally kicked the ball in the Rangers fan's face when he took a shot. So right, so what he did is he organised a um, like for a shirt to go to the Rangers fan, and then he put on uh, an open day with Rangers fans where they could come and come and meet him and and do some football skills with him. Which why you'd want to do that as a self if he was a Celtic? I don't know. And then he became. Um, First Minister of Scotland, I think. So he used to be literally the whole career, plus the jobs that then spawned as a, a result of his Fucking career. Hell, so, he had a lot of time on his hands, your mate, didn't he? Mate, this is what you do at uni. When, I, when you're in your first year at uni, you drink, you play PlayStation, whatever PlayStation's out at the time, you eat takeaways, and you just imagine what life would be the life will be that you don't have see you you have fit girlfriends that don't exist you have football careers that don't exist and uh, you have a whole host of friends that don't exist it's what uh, what uni life's about mate I've been there and done it myself wow wow that's incredible 
Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. No, I found stuck. Like, something people. slightly disturbing and maybe psychotic about your mate's. Um, yeah, uh, but mate, it was so detailed. At uni. Honestly, it was so detailed. Like he, it would like if you sat down, his whole story of his career would go on for hours. It would be like a genuine Q and A with like an ex player, but except. His was made up, so it's just crazy. I bet he was an absolute fanny magnet at uni, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, no comment, but uh, needless need to say, what you're, pro- what you're probably assuming, realistically, whether he was or wasn't, is is correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. We have to talk about Bristol City because, obviously, it's the unwanted replay after making hard work of the uh, the game at the London Stadium. We're off to Bristol tomorrow, so we'll be there. Um, I think it's going to be a tough night. I really do. What do you think? Um, I think it is going to be a tough game. They seem well up for it. Interesting. I don't know if you saw that. 9,000 fans at our stadium. Yeah. They could only take something like 700 to Preston away. Um, so they obviously value beating West Ham quite highly, as lower league teams do. It's a big scout for them. And I, I'm worried. I'm not going not gonna to lie. I'm worried. Oh, yeah. You know, we haven't got Bowen, Pakatar, or um, Kudos. That's a massive loss, you know, obviously. Um <laughs> Sorry, I hiccups. I'm laughing at my mate's career. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's really a worry for me. I I don't feel confident. It depends how we start. If we can nullify them, well, I say this, and this is what happened in the first round, but the first game. But if we can nullify them, get the crowd quiet, and get an early goal. That will help us. But if we invite the pressure and they start to play really, really well. And they get confidence. Then I'm then I'm worried about what the situation would be. I'm also worried about who's going to be playing in that game. From my inside sources have told me, and I haven't done the update yet, but there's only three academy players that are in the squad, which means some of those fringe players are going to be playing. And it looks like those are Kalen Casey, Callum Marshall, and Ollie Skulls. I don't think the rest of the, any of them are involved. When I would have put George Urfi, Lewis Orford, you know, a few of those players in that squad, but it doesn't look like he has. So that means the likes of Ben Rama and Fornells and Ings and some of these players that are on the brink of leaving are going to feature. So now it depends on how committed they're going to be, I think, as well. Yeah, and there's the whole, it's televised as well. I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, West Ham go out of a competition when it's been televised against underdogs? You know, we're almost like the poster boys for that, aren't we? So I think it's got banana skin written all over it. And I am not confident, but I do also agree that the way we start the game is going to be really important. And I think, I think they're going to be coming at us. I think I do think they're going to be having a go. I don't think they're going to be scared at all. I think the atmosphere is going to be strong from Bristol City as well, because like you say, I think they're going to be well up for it. So I think the first goal tomorrow night is going to be really important because I think whoever gets that first goal, the opposition are going to have to very quickly change their approach to the game, I think. So it could be the difference. Yeah. Um I'm I'm going to be the optimist and say we're going to win on penalties. In my heart of hearts, do I believe that sitting here talking to you now with key players missing? I'm not so sure. But time will tell, of course. Let's hope we get a result anyway. And uh, as West Ham fans, we live in hope, don't we? Okay, we're going to get some more questions from patrons just after this. Calling all West Ham fans. Are you a patron of the West Ham way? If not, why not? For the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Over 100 interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans. 
Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen, a show with Tony Cotty, the U Irons podcast, the West Ham Way USA, a transfer window show with Demis Chef, an expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.